When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of, the podcast, where we explore the struggles of life, the challenges of mental health and recovery, and the spaces between. We express our personal views on life here, and this podcast is not meant to replace medical advice or tell anyone the right way to live. This podcast is best used as a place of curiosity and questioning to accompany you on your journey. Be aware there is strong language. This week, we're picking up where we left the conversation off last week. Here we go. What mood is that you at this time? Why do you get high to change the seat you're in? What mood is that you at this time? I know I've had a tough time with this one. Um, Who do you feel pity for? Like, what kind of situations bring up pity? Well, I was just thinking about this one, an example. Like, we don't get many homeless people where I live, but from time to time we do. And then if I have water, granola, a couple dollars, you know, I'll hand it over. I've noticed this about myself when it happens. I can't look them in the eye. It's too it's too painful. Mm. Like, cause I just I and so I'll hand whatever I have to them, and I usually say something like "Good luck," you know. But I can't look them in the eye because it's so sad, mm. you know. And I wish I was stronger, but I like go there with them. Like I know when I look at them in the eye, I'm like, oh god, their situation sucks so bad, you know, mm. like. And um, I wish I was stronger. I wish I was I better. Stronger, better. What do you think is going to happen if you look them in the eye? I'll get really sad. Okay. Then is that wrong? Have to carry so much. But then I got to go on with the rest of my day being sad. Yeah, I get. Is that wrong? No, it isn't. I guess maybe because I'm with my kid or something. Like I, I just want to stay positive. But, hmm. I mean, maybe part of you's got a fear. That once you have a negative thought or a negative emotion, you don't have a way to stop that. Yeah, that is fair. Yeah, like a runaway. Train. I would imagine that taking, makes sense. That's okay. Mm. That's makes sense. We protect ourselves. Yeah, right? yeah, and for then better or worse. Especially know. with my kid, there, I want to protect them. Like I want them to have a good day. Don't let my runaway train of emotions ruin your good day. Though I get in the big picture, it's good for them to see processing or whatever, but. See, I, I guess in my mind, and I don't know if this is like where I'm at today or for a while or maybe forever, <laughs> I picture what I'm hoping to be able to do is give them grace as if I am God in that moment because we're all gods, I think. And we're all supposed to be giving each other these unhuman, godly things, right? Like grace and compassion. I think they're above human experience in some ways. They're like tapping into the the God in us to give to someone else. And I feel like that's exactly what that person needs is somebody that looks them in the eye and says, I see you human yeah. and I will carry mm -hmm. some of that pain because this hurts that any of us are here and that we choose to live in a society that puts any of us like that. It's terrible. I wish I could do more. I think that's what it is too. It's mm -hmm. like, I want to do more. Why aren't we doing more for you? But you that's, and I that's starting to sound like, Mm, go ahead. You gonna say rescuing and, yeah. and pity <laughs> yeah, also? Yeah, you and know? It, but not me. But I guess like maybe sad for the whole world. Like why yeah. isn't the why isn't like the town providing more for you? Yes, and that's where I want to be. 
mm-hmm. what do I need to do to start making a difference for the town? To and start I don't have enough space you? in my life to do more. Gotcha. And then that's when I feel guilty. I'm like, oh, God, I should be fighting this battle. You know, there should. I know. Hmm. the word. Well, no, I was thinking for me, it's not I don't have the time to go out and solve homelessness or mm-hmm. hunger in Cecil County. But there are ways I can impact our environment and our society i'm choosing to spend less money because i think every dollar i spend votes that the way we live is okay i don't think it is okay i don't want a system that has homeless people and hungry people i think we need to change it and until we do i don't want to spend money i can't totally not spend money obviously but like there are things i can do to say i'm taking a stance and doing my part against the way this world is that i don't like and it doesn't have to take up all my time in fact Spending less money takes up less of my time. I think that the step three oh. is so important with this. Uh, my experience with step three many years ago, uh, which has really stuck with me, and it's a go-to one. I mean, I use it with my patients, too. I just might not call it step three, or I might call it step three, depending on what they're doing. Um, I'm certainly not perfect at practicing it, but uh, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to a power greater than ourselves that's but the word is right care. yeah made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care, care. Of the power right 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 and um for me it, it it's so much about just doing what i can and then leaving it letting stop trying to control the outcome and those those that is so important Right, just saying those words. Okay, just do what you can and stop and stop trying to control the outcome. Okay, blah blah blah. No, but really, yeah. really, yeah. like, uh, if all I can do is give the person at the traffic light who appears homeless my ten dollars, then that's all I can do right now. I, I'm, and then I'm going to go do my job as a social worker, and then I'm going to volunteer with a meditation group, and you're going to facilitate a Dharma recovery group and you're doing your service work and this and, and we're going to keep things moving right you know yeah. I, I, who am I to save everybody who am I to save this person right I, I keep, they need to save themselves yeah. but they need help doing it they need an environment where they can do that they need to be ready also maybe some people aren't ready to come off the street as long as we have our society based around competition and not cooperation, we're going to keep having these problems like this. Yeah, and, and like like Dave was saying, in my mind, and, and I'm not trying to pressure you on this to be better or do better. I hope it didn't sound like that. This is more like I think there's a way I can do more for our society by actually doing less work, by actually doing less effort in a lot of ways. And I think that frees me up to not feel like this is harder to do or... I guess I was thinking too, like if I am able to give that person on the corner a dollar or two dollars, I've done my part. If everybody in the world also did their part, they would have plenty of money. They'd have seven billion or whatever, seven trillion. Like I got to remember that that's my part. I'm not the savior of everyone. I need to do my share in the world. And for me, that starts at home. Could I see more people throughout my week? I could. I could probably help more people. Would my kids suffer and my family suffer? They would. I got to make sure that they're built and ready for a successful and uh, joyous connection and inclusion in this life first, you know, because if I can program them, I got five people going out in the world doing more of this good stuff. And like, it is time and priorities and where, where does that fall for each of us? 
You know, how much space do I have? It's got to start here for me at home. Then I can do some people. Then I might have space for this. And then at some point I don't. So the simpler life you're describing, I think, and Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Buddha taught to lead a simpler life, like know your limits, like take care of, uh, don't take more than you need. You're like, I, th that's my understanding of the teaching was like, to, you know, a simpler life is better and mm. more and it's healthier for you and healthier for everybody else. That's what I, I took from I so, yeah. a gathering of teachings. <laughs> I think that makes sense. Mm -hmm. it, it also makes me think of, had a, my first sponsor a while ago. He's gone now, but uh, he used to always say, who am I to deny them their suffering? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm not saying we should live just in that, right. but it's an important perspective. Right. Right. See somebody making bad choices. You know, hopefully it's not that, you know, if I see someone making a choice, that's going to kill them in the next couple of seconds. I'm, I'm probably going to do something, but at the same time, I needed my suffering to get here. Uh, so yeah. how to loosen the grip right, of control and the outcome and help empower people. That was another thing you had said, I think, along the way, um, doing your part and letting go of the outcome. And I've been trying to, in the same thing, different words, for me, I've been trying to shift my measure of how well I'm doing from the outcomes to the effort I'm putting in. Like, well, hey, I did these three things. That was my part of the job. I get it. Didn't work out the way I wanted. Hey, yesterday morning, got up at 6 a.m., wanted to hit the grocery store before it got crowded, got on the road at 7.15, got a fucking flat tire. <laughs> like, engine stopped after I changed the tire. A car wouldn't start. Like, it, there wasn't shit I could do about that. So there's no point in me judging me by that. And that's what I've spent a whole lot of my life doing. Oh, I didn't get the grocery store done. Instead of, hey, I did a good job this morning. Got up, did what I had to do. It went sideways, but you know what? We got home. We're safe. We're warm. Life goes on. We'll get groceries tomorrow. Yeah. And I can I, relate to that. Yeah, that helps me a lot, just judging by what I'm doing and not how it all works out in the end. Yeah. Control what you can and flow with what you can. That's one of my intentions. Hmm. It's cool how we all have like the same thing, but it's all got its own little flavor of mm -hmm. how it works. And I feel like presenting it that way for people gives them a smorgasbord of like oh this one feels like me that's the that's the words i need to use in my head you know well i think in 12 steps they were like they said like stay in your own lane or keep your side of the street clean that's what yeah, it sounds keep your side like. of the street clean yeah i like the therapy stay in your own lane that helps me sometimes mm -hmm. figuring out what my lane is mm -hmm. just just even asking the question helps me <laughs> Like, oh, what part of this is mine? You know? Because <laughs> that's a different thought than, I got to fix this shit. <laughs> yeah. So, we, yeah, what's what's the next one? I feel like we, we got to loving kindness. Oh, well, there was loving kindness. We've been talking about compassion. That's true. Compassion and uh, pity. Yeah. Pity and the opposite of compassion. The far enemy would be cruelty. Oh, um, yeah. Is cruelty, cruelty is celebrated. Mm -hmm. I, I don't see cruelty frequently celebrated in person but in online social interactions cruelty is celebrated we champion oh, getting is. on somebody or telling them off or telling them how it is like mm. yeah i think it, it, people are detached and it gives them a sense of power yeah. the total delusion delusional sense of power uh and you know having been a marine 
Well, I am a Marine, always a Marine, but haven't been in the Marines. I'm no longer in, obviously. Uh, and learning about violence and, um, you know, what it means to act professionally in situations where cruelty uh, would seem by some to be appropriate, but that's not professionalism. Uh, and you know what? Honestly, for the past couple of years, uh, hunting has really gotten me more in touch with this. Hmm. Taking an animal's life. Right? Yes, I'm a Buddhist and I hunt. Um, I hunt ethically. Uh, I know people might have a hard time with that. Some, you know, but I hunt ethically, you know, to, to take a deer's life. I'm putting this clip on TikTok. Go for it. Start I have no problem. Um, you, but I mean, if we need to debate the being a veg, you know, being a total vegetarian, well, how many animals does that kill for the field that you just made? Okay, so there's this whole, it's you know, I, I, yeah. So eating meat, I don't think is a problem. I think it's where you get it. I think vegetarianism can be a bigger problem than eating meat ethically if you really know how farms, many many farms are run. So right. that's a whole thing, right? Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, I but to go out with a bow and spend days, weeks cold, waking up early at night, right, doing this and getting to know these animals and tracking them and seeing their tracks and sitting still, and then you finally have the moment for this beautiful, gorgeous, amazing creature, and you take its life, and you go up close and you see this animal, and it's beautiful. Like they are so much cleaner than us. For one thing, <laughs> their little hooves might be dirty from walking around the mud. But other than that, these animals are just perfect, perfect. And to go through the process after that, and feeling the sadness, but not an overwhelming sadness. You know, when I do that, I do three bows and I do chant a certain sutra or that uh, an act of respect for the situation. And to see this and to know that this is natural, right? This is not factory farming, all this. Mm -hmm. I think that's atrocious. I, I do my best to not participate in any of that. Um, but to do something that is natural like this and also feel that little bit of pain and have that kind of push and pull about it and then go through the process. The deer is doing their job. I'm doing mine. Mm -hmm. um, and so cruelty, right? Am I cruel by taking this animal's life? No, I don't think so. Right. Now, am I cruel by factory farming in ways that are torturing animals? Yes. I think that I would be if I did participated in that. Um, so it's just, it's this interesting space right there, especially as a Buddhist as well to do that. Right. With full respect. And then when hunting season's over, you know, I, we could be friends, you know, give you some corn. When season starts, you're doing your job. I'm doing mine. Mm -hmm. You know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting situation. I guess I'm trying to run through my head. If like, if cruelty is celebrated now, has that always been, or is this a new concept? Is this a new dehumanization we have from being online? Is this something that exists now that has taken us somewhere that previous human history hasn't? See, that's the thing. I, I think that there's there's an element of violence in just living, mm, right? And there's appropriate violence, like what I was describing that I see is appropriate. Right. You know, and then there is this drive for this other type of 
cruelty and violence mm. that is completely inappropriate and it's insatiating it right. seems like you're talking about the revenge stories uh, all this kind of arrogance um all this harm that's created against others all this judgment and separation um of course not to go off on a tangent now but there's a whole bunch of stuff happening in the middle east right which mm-hmm. has also raised a bunch of uh, debates among people and caused a lot of separation among people yeah. too, who aren't even there right right you know um so yeah the cruelty is a big subject okay <laughs> uh should we to answer your question i think humans we've been cruel because like it wasn't just about punishing it would be about humiliating like sh- putting humans in shackles and mm-hmm. in, in the center of town to like parade like you know about like i don't know like the scarlet letter like you know marking people so that they could be humiliated and um so at least in it's still happening now yeah it really is literally yeah. So, U.S. history, European history, I'm sure it's across cultures, you know, except for that sweet little aboriginal tribe, but. But even there, killing an animal to eat it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and that, I'm not even speaking about like human to animal realms, just human to human cruelty. I guess I don't. Clearly. I don't think of that as cruelty. Like anything that you have to do in the process of staying alive, whether that's eat, whether that's defend yourself, it's not cruel. It's not a thing you did actively because you wanted to. <laughs> it's what you had to do. Like I think that's why I brought it up because it can mm-hmm. it can seem complex. Mm-hmm. Right? It can right. have all this crossover where people feel justified. Right. And it's that justification that really can breed some of the worst behavior. Right. right. As soon as you're justified, uh, it's it's all Whatever I do is okay in the eyes of God. Right. I, you know, right. it doesn't matter. Um, and that's when really dangerous things happen. Well, and that's part of what we, we have going on, too, is this idea that, like, we've sold ourselves the ideas of good and evil so long that we just think there is this evil. And then once you encounter that, you are allowed to do whatever you need to do to eradicate the world of it. And it's like, what kind of fucking bullshit is that? The evildoers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That just, that one really bothers me a lot. Yeah. What was our next one after compassion and sympathetic joy? This is an interesting one. This is one. It I, sure is. The words I have not necessarily just, uh, heard before. Yeah, we just did this one our song go before Christmas time. Sympathetic joy because it's such a like it's such a prime time to have joy for others. Like at Christmas time, it's easy. It's easy. I was going to say yeah. it's an easy time. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we hit this one before Christmas. And what is the definition again of sympathetic joy? Sympathetic joy happens when someone with goodwill witnesses joy and good fortune. Uh, the ability to notice when someone is experiencing joy. Hmm. Um, so you, something good happens to you, you accomplish something you know, important to you, and I feel joy for you. Honest, authentic, genuine joy. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to be elated all over the place. I mean, that's cool too. Right. But I do inside have a warm heart that is genuine towards that. Huh. That's interesting. It's an interesting title for that concept. Like I, I definitely have been had my heart warmed by positive things happening to others. I think that's awesome. But I've never thought to call it like sympathetic joy. I've heard it mm. called appreciative joy. I like too. that. So what gets in the way of it? Hmm. What would be the the far enemy of sympathetic joy? It's a big one. Jealousy? Yeah. Okay. Good job. <laughs> you passed. Yeah, cool. You get a point. Cool. 
According yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. Okay. Oh, they got something I wish I had. Why yes. don't I? How that? pervasive is that though right now? Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially that's, social media and everything. Uh, that's how capitalism works. Is <laughs> <laughs> literally giving the right person your item and making everyone else jealous they don't have it. Like runaway capitalism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's kind of okay. where we're at, I think. Yeah. Oh, shit. That guy's got that. I got to keep up with the Joneses and have that too. Wow. Okay. Why can't you just be or, happy for them? Or somebody gets a promotion uh, over you and you don't think you thought you were the best candidate for it? Oh, here's one. They gave somebody a... Well, it's not even necessarily a promotion. It's technically a different job. They are Instead of just being a therapist, they're going to be a therapist sometimes and then be the office manager sometimes. This was like a year and a half ago at my work. And they just announced it in a staff meeting that this person was the office manager. And I was like... Afterwards, I was like, uh, did you ever think about me? Like, nobody ever told me about this position or anything. Now, look, turns out a year and a half later, thank you, fucking universe, I would never have wanted to do this job. That's ever. what I'm thinking. Yes, but. yes, it would have been terrible. <laughs> but it was like this, Oh, I hadn't been considered. What do you mean? Somebody else was just picked and you didn't even think that I might be the best candidate for this job. Like, how could you? Um, so, yeah, it, it was interesting. I see that. So it wasn't the thing itself. It I was, didn't want the thing. Yeah. yeah I, I just I wanted to sounds, be considered. I wouldn't be that good an office manager. Some I people are, and that's great. We need you. Thank you. But Yeah, when you're just telling me this, I'm like, you would want that? Like, no. I guess I don't know you well. <laughs> yeah. I just want Well, we need people that want that uh-huh. kind of level of organization yeah. and responsibility. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Thank you. But yeah, Thank you, Casey. <laughs> well, you know what else I'm thinking? Uh, it comes from, all right, so that, Sorry, the jealousy comes from like a scarcity principle. Like there's not yes. enough. Yeah. So instead of, uh, oh, there's plenty for everyone, it's like, oh, there's not enough. I better go get that. There's not enough happiness for me. The only problem with mm-hmm. life on earth is that we fear. Mm-hmm. And we and need we, fear at the same time. And then we act from that place. We don't fear now, though. We fear the future. That's mm-hmm. the problem. If we just got scared now when we're supposed to, that'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but we get scared about what we won't have enough of in the future. The scarcity. Mm-hmm. And we act from that place of fear of what we got to do now to make sure we'll be okay then. And that's when we justify harming everybody. Because I got to be okay in the future. I can't think about that. How can we convince everyone? There's plenty. There's plenty to go You can't. Because it's not. There's so much. That's the problem though, Jenny. Mm-hmm. We all want to know it'll be okay. And there isn't any way to know it'll be okay. The true solution is everybody getting uncomfortable getting comfortable with the idea that we'll never fucking know if it'll be okay. We might run out of food tomorrow and we all die. And we got to be okay with that. And it's okay. And, <laughs> and that's okay too. That's the solution. Yeah. Just being okay with it. Yeah, I love the it's, it's all okay <laughs> thing. And that's a wonderful place to sit in and be in. And I'm also a fucking parent. Mm-hmm. Then it's not okay. Well, the, the only, <laughs> they're not going hungry, yeah, right? Yeah, like, no, I'll starve. I, I agree we'll do with it. that. You know. It's just that idea of like that's what switch happens. You know, <laughs> I need to know that I can't be operating from that fear place. Right. Yeah. Like that's I, the answer to that fear place is not knowing I'll have enough. That's never going to solve it, or I'll just be caught in anxiety the rest of my life trying to get there. Mm-hmm. So that's a good marker for me to know. Like, I, I can't act from that. <laughs> And I don't think convincing people that we'll have enough is the answer either. Because I don't know that. 
and it just it seemed it's a little too like bypassy mm. you know it's not really seeing the big picture oh you'll be fine you know like it's, <laughs> i don't think it's we did an episode on that yeah. oh you'll be warm food we all <laughs> yeah. will okay everything's fine then <laughs> i haven't had any link back episodes for like three months and you guys coming on today we've got like six of them it's great <laughs> um, oh, I see. so what's the uh what's the near enemy anything pop up for anybody i'm just curious what would look like sympathetic joy but be from a place of self-centeredness? I think you just kind of said it. It looks like sympathetic joy, but it's not. I can't think of the word. Feigned that. sympathetic joy or comparison. or mm. It says here on this one person says hypocrisy, which is a very strong word to me. Uh, but they were saying you know that i'm just acting like i'm happy for you but i'm really not mm. trying to think passive of aggressive behaviors popping in my head I don't yeah really know me how to... too okay me too hmm. and so but who is that affecting right is it affecting the other person or is that affecting me yes <laughs> right so uh, yeah i'm trying to wrap my head around that how to experience sympathetic joy for someone who causes you harm or someone that you feel causes harm in a general sense. Uh, oh, like when somebody is not deserving of yeah. what they're getting, Ooh. the positive things that they're getting. Ooh. Right. I can think of public figures. <laughs> I think <laughs> I can think of public figures. I could think of, I'll just put it this way, working situations at jobs. Hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I don't actually have to interact very much with my coworkers at all. So I guess I don't encounter as much of that. But I, there is some. Just, I'm talking about throughout the span of my experience. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, there's a lot more back it's, there. It's a... Uh, oh, man. When I was in the union and the job would be coming to an end and they were laying off, not necessarily the people who, like, didn't show up or anything. They were laying off the guys who didn't have property that they hunted on or who didn't go to the bar with them. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't like this. Hmm. Definitely had some of that. Or, you know, somebody that doesn't show up most of the time to work and all of a sudden they they get a bonus that's about the same as yours or something, right? You know? Oh, uh, but yeah. now you're carrying that and that's the problem. Is that, who's it hurting to carry that? Drinking the poison? Let, yeah, you know? I have just cited something in my life where I need to actually do more appreciative joy. Like, I think I was relying on the fact, like, because we studied that before Christmas, I was like, oh, I'm doing great. You're like, I'm always picturing people. I'm happy for them, you know? But um, yeah, one of my volunteering situations, somebody that isn't pulling their weight instead of me being like, oh, good for them. They're doing what they need to do in their life. I'm like, what the, come on, again? You're not showing up again? Like, ooh, that's a place where I really need to practice some appreciative joy. Good, you're taking care of you. I, I need to be sincere about that. For me, I think it, it comes up a lot when... I go into a situation and I believe I'm genuinely looking to exercise teamwork, teamwork, not competition, teamwork, working together to accomplish a goal. And then say the other person or persons is competitive about that. Mm -hmm. I struggle with that. Uh, it's like we're on the same team. Mm -hmm. Let's just do the teamwork, right? The teamwork's great, right? But now uh, picking up all these, you know, competitive behaviors that you know well actually what you really want to do is get ahead and you're willing to kind of step on me a little bit for that if you need to or a lot bit things like that and then 
something good happens and now it's very challenging to have sympathetic joy for that when people are competitive with me it triggers competitiveness in me and that's not my best footing teamwork's better when i can stay in that zone See, i love teamwork i hate the competitive part you, you i hate competition within a team yeah unless it's a friendly like you know hmm. who remembered the most of the uh-huh. you know, of that that's healthy, subject right healthy that's competition, that's yeah. totally fine but when it's the the real competition he's gonna well, get ahead. yeah drunk jenny back in the day like anytime my competitiveness was triggered i would it was like underhanded not my best side so i'm much more comfortable now when i when i can stay in the teamwork zone <laughs> where are we at the last one equanimity, equanimity. which is kind of where we started a little bit and yeah. seems like a good place to come back around to um a measure of objectivity the ability to maintain a larger perspective or the ability to manage one's emotions for the benefit of all what am i doing with my own body and mind um so equanimity, that's a big one. When I saw the word, I'm like, I, I, I think I know what this is as a Zen practitioner. I looked into it more, and it fits in within the realm of that. But there's a lot to equanimity. I think it's a very broad term. Um, yeah. And I think that's okay that it is, too. So far enemy of equanimity. One person says, hatred. I prefer distress. Hmm. I like distress. distress. I like dysregulated. Hatred's ill will to me if we're going to categorize everything, you know. Uh, distress. Distress is worse than stress. Completely overwhelmed. Fixated on outcomes and things that you can't control. And the near enemy it could be indifference. Hmm. Yeah. Kind of can look like equanimity, right? Oh, I'm so balanced. Nothing's affecting me. I am not easily moved hmm. by troubles, uh, but I'm really just not giving a shit. Yeah, That's I'm it. actually disconnected. Yeah, and not giving a shit is not equanimity. I think disconnection is is the enemy, the big enemy, and like that fits. I was thinking that for the last one, like I don't, I don't, I do have yucky feelings in response to other people having positive things in their life i'm not gonna say i don't it just doesn't happen that much but more often this is what i feel nothing and that's not good either hmm. and i was just thinking that when we were running through that one i was like oh so yeah you're at peace because you're not considering it yeah because it's not for some reason i'm not allowing it in to impact me either positively or negatively maybe it's i know it will be negative so i'm just shutting it off before it happens <laughs> Okay, defense strategy right yeah. there. I think indifference is often, most of the time, I don't know what, I don't want to say always about that, but it seems like it could be. Right. Indifference doesn't choice. remind me of a feeling. It reminds me of a nervous system state. It reminds yeah. me of being in that, that bottom level, withdrawn, uh, disconnected, kind of dorsal vagal, um, you know, fl- uh, freeze, basically. It's just, I... That time when my phone rings and it's my best friend and I've had a rough day and I just can't fucking answer it. That's how, mm, Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's how I keep my equanimity. You know, like some days I just can't take that phone call or like some people's distressing situation. I guess we can go back to the homeless example too. It's like, I can't take it in and that's how I keep my equanimity. Hmm. I would love to give more, but I just don't have it. I don't, I don't disagree with that. Like, I think that's great. I, I guess this is more of the, 
this isn't the best friend that's going to overwhelm me with their problems. Like they would totally just listen to mine for an hour if I needed that. But I just don't have it in me to connect. Like I am so in that state of shut offness. I just can't even say hello to somebody, even the person I'm closest with. Like that's where I get in that place. I, I don't know if. So is that indifference? I mean, there's definitely a lot of indifference from that place. I would argue <laughs> that to a degree, it's for you, up to you to determine that that is self-care. So these, one of the things about all of these is we were talking about it being outward, but it all starts with you, especially loving kindness. Right. You can go through, you know, otherwise known as meta, all these meta meditations and everything. I mean, it, it often starts with yourself, showing yourself kindness. If I can't mm -hmm. show... If I've got enough enemies happening right now, enough of a bad situation, and oh boy, I've had that over the past year and a half, right? Um, if, if I just can't show anybody loving kindness, I start with myself, and then I start moving it out. Myself, you know, my family, my cats, not necessarily in that order. I don't know. It depends. Hmm. But, uh, no, <laughs> they're all, they're all, this, they're all the family. My cats, you, you know, and, it, and you spread it out that way. But when we forget to practice these with ourselves. How are we really going to practice it with other people? And so I think you saying right now, I just can't. I got to mm -hmm. I gotta be quiet. I got to do nothing. I got to veg out for a little bit. I worked my ass off this week. I'm overwhelmed. I'm not feeling equanimity right now. What I need for equanim equanimity right now is to just be with myself yeah. or whatever. I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, at a base level, yes, taking that phone call would harm me in that moment more than it would help me. I, I'm aware of that, I guess. For me, it's more... Seeing that raises my awareness around, oh, you need self-care. Like, obviously don't take that phone call. But now also we're recognizing that we are in a very distressed nervous system that can't even connect to get out of it. So we got to go take care of us. Let's go lay in bed. Let's go set a timer. Let's go do a guided meditation if I have to, if my thoughts are that crazy. Like, I need to go get back to a calm place. I need to go get back to equanimity before I can do anything else is what I say in that moment. So, yeah, I agree. It's, it's self-care. I can't. I can't take the call and make it better. That's not the answer. To me, it's just an awareness point of, oh, oh shit, this is where you're at. You got to get out of this state before you can do anything. So from, that's why I think it's an important perspective that starting with equanimity mm. can be a very useful place. It's not necessarily the place. You don't have yeah, to right, start right. there. I think it's a pretty common Zen type of place to start. Although uh, the person that I got some of these, I paraphrase these definitions from who's got that great podcast. She said that she would start on loving kindness every time. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's okay wherever you want to start. But mm -hmm. I, I think that it's really good to respect the importance of equanimity and being able to practice the rest of this. I don't know if these are things we have created more words for to describe than we need. And these are the same thing or if just one of these allows for the other. But in my mind, Without equanimity, you have no connection. So really, that immeasurable is connection. That's what we're going for there. Are we connected or are we not? Hmm. I, Interesting. I agree with that. I definitely relate to that. That's more of where I come from in my practice over the years. That's you cool. know, and, and so even things like compassion, compassion fatigue, all these things, maybe you're showing loving kindness to everybody but yourself. Equanimity is going to help you with that. Mm -hmm. Equanimity is going to help fix that. Mm -hmm. I see them as all woven together, kind of like the eightfold path too. They all kind of like 
weave together and support each other. And the more you do one, the more it supports the other one. Or, you know, maybe you have to beef up one to beef up the other one. Well, I feel like with two of them, having in the definition that you have to be a person practicing the first one, that that one has to come before those two, at least, I think. Which one? Which one's the first one? Loving kindness. Because the other two are when someone who has loving kindness witnesses these two. Like sympathetic joy, you have to already be a person with loving kindness witnessing the sympathetic joy. Or witnessing somebody's joy to have sympathetic joy. At least that's the way the person defined them. I don't know if that's a, you know. I think this is a whole lot of thinking that we're doing. It definitely is. (laughs) You brought up a minute ago a lot of words for these things that are way, way beyond words. These are actions, ways of being. I've got a, a, a really... A nice little teaching uh, that I, when I think of equanimity, this is, comes up first for me. So this is, uh, right now I'm practicing with two teachers at Sanshin, Zendo, and one of them is Hoko. The other one is Akamura Roshi, who is the founder of that. He came from Japan. And this is about his teacher, Uchiyama Roshi, who we've discussed here on this podcast before. Uh, the the melons. Mm-hmm. I know. Now that's really random. You're gonna have to look up that one. The podcast Zen and the squashes. That's squashes. That was interconnectedness. Yeah. Sure. If you want to hear me and Dave talk about melons, <laughs> melons and squashes. So anyway, uh, this I love this, and this actually changed Akamura Roshi's path in his life. Hmm. He says that this is what this was the kind of the fork in the road for him to make his life about Zen. Akamura Roshi spoke about his teacher, Uchiyama Roshi's teaching about what Zazen is. Zazen, Zen meditation. I was describing that before. He used the analogy of the earth and atmosphere. He said, we draw a circle about six inches in diameter. The thickness of a pencil line is the thickness of the atmosphere. That's where... We live on earth. We see the clouds are much higher than us. Under the clouds, we experience all the various scenery and conditions of the world that is always changing. Sometimes it's very clear, bright, and peaceful. Sometimes it's covered with dark clouds. Sometimes we have storms underneath the clouds. We are constantly influenced by those ever-changing conditions. Uchiyama Roshi said, that is what's happening with our mind. Our mind is such a shallow space within our life. Our life is much deeper, much more expansive. We think things happening only within this shallowness are important. We need to understand, even though we have to, we cannot escape from the different weather conditions we experience here. But the sky is always blue and the sun is always shining above the clouds. That is you also. That is the larger perspective of who we are fundamentally So don't be moved by things happening within this tiny atmosphere. We need to see our life is much deeper 
much higher, much greater, and much larger than what I think is my world. That sense of the world means the atmosphere. We have to live underneath the clouds, but beyond the clouds, the sky is always blue and the sun is always shining. I like that because in my mind, it also points us to another piece of what needs to happen there. Uh, When it's pouring down rain outside in a storm, I don't just go out the door like I do every other day. I do other steps. I say, oh, it's raining out here. Maybe I need a rain jacket. Maybe I need an umbrella, but I got to think through ways to take care of and protect myself. And in the same way, when I'm having that kind of rainy day in my head, what extra steps do I need on days like today that are different from the average day when I wake up feeling okay? Do I need an extra hot tea? Maybe I need my favorite comfy sweater today to get me through the day. Like maybe I need an afghan on my lap while I'm going through work. Like what is it extra I need on those gloomy days, just like the rainy days outside? Yeah. Love that. I like that. I like those tools. And of course, we are much, much bigger than all these little thoughts, than these small minds that are so obsessed with words and outcomes of this, that, and all the things that we've discussed. We are much bigger than that. It, it's all included. We don't discard that, but we are much bigger. I think you sold me on the idea that equanimity comes first. because in my mind equanimity talks about peace and calm and distress is its far enemy its opposite right and and in my mind we're talking about the nervous system either you're in a calm nervous system and you have the space to take on these other immeasurable ideas or you're in a distressed nervous system that's dysregulated and you just got to get calm before you can do anything or fatigued nervous system yeah it's just done exhausted hmm So that was cool. It was a great talk about near enemies. I still have a huge fucking list of interesting near enemies that maybe we can bring back on at a later time with Billy and maybe Dave wants to come back on and we can kind of talk through because some of them I definitely see in my life. Like just to give you a hint, we were my wife and I were talking about these the other day and I had had kind of a grumpy evening the night before. And I was like, oh, the virtue here is expressing and its near enemy is spewing. I was definitely fucking spewing yesterday. <laughs> like, you know, it was it was coming out in that, like there was no better word for it. It was coming out grumpily. It was coming out negative towards people. And like, but I like the idea of when I see that now, I know where the shift needs to go. Even if I can't do it necessarily, <laughs> I know the idea. Okay, I, I'm allowed to do this. And there's a way I can take care of it that doesn't hurt people. And that's just what I got to aim for. And I I don't know. I think maybe going through more of them could help us. Yeah, I I had in mind um, the near enemy of, or I don't know, there's a thin line between excitement and anxiousness. Mm. And that's me. Mm. Oh, boy, do I love getting excited. But then, whoops, it's anxiety now. You know, like that thin line. They don't have that one specifically on this list, uh, Mm -hmm. but they do have exuberance. And that's the, the virtue. And the near enemy is wired. And I'm picturing my nine-year-old. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like being wired sometimes. All over the <laughs> But I know what you're saying. Yeah. And that's how talks, when I would do public talks, started off super nervous and everything. And what I noticed happening was over time, I'd have the same chemical release in my body. You could feel it in my muscles, right? Like burning, you know? And I, I started to associate that with like an adrenaline rush. Oh, now I'm pumped up, right? Rather yeah. than I'm terrified. It felt the same, but my mm-hmm. association was totally different. 
They also have enthusiasm on here as a virtue, and its near enemy is mania. That's interesting, too. What about weird or mysterious? <laughs> They're not on here. <laughs> They're not on here. Um, but yeah, so stick around. Come back. Visit us again. Check out the episodes Dave was on previously. I'll try to list all them. We mentioned most of them. Um, and keep trying to apply these things in your life. And, and yeah, you know, if you know stuff about near enemies, write in, tell us, join us, whatever. See you soon.